exciting. Welcome to our campus service this morning. I hope you're fired up to hear the word of God tonight. Today. I definitely want to thank, hey, heck, tonight too. Amen. You know, I want to especially thank Joel and Courtney Parlour for leading the church and leading the whole Pacific Northwest and giving me this honor to preach the word of God today. Yeah. We can definitely clap for them. Students. We got some college students in the church today. I know the speakers did an incredible job. I, I was very moved, especially by Ingrid's communion this morning. That was really deep. I was excited to see the young Christians and Chaoshi and Russell over there working together on that welcome right there. You nailed it. That ain't easy. But today we're going to get in the Word of God. The title is Are You? God's man. Point number one. Righteousness gets you on the boat. In Ezekiel's day, thousands of years ago, in Ezekiel's day, he had a top three. A top three people that he especially appreciated. And I think for us, in our world, in our age, every single one of us got a top three of something. Yeah. Right. Whether it be a top three actors. Yeah. I know I'm a huge Will Smith fan. <laughs> Heck, I was even Will Smith on Halloween. I, I'm all about Will Smith right there. <laughs> but whether it be a top three sport. Come on now. I know you got to rep your college sports right here. Ooh. But you also got to rep some teams. That's right. How about your favorite songs? Oh. oh, that list goes on. I mean, it's hard to nail that down to three. I know I can have a challenge with that one. But Ezekiel in his day, he had a top three righteous people. In Ezekiel 14, one of them was Daniel. Daniel, in his day, stood up against King Nebuchadnezzar who commanded every single person to bow and worship him. He said, no, I will bow only to God. Then there was Job. Job, a man that was richly blessed, given more than most of us can imagine. Job had it all, but Job had it all taken from him. And 36 chapters later, after getting discipled by horrible, horrible examples, God has something to say. And Job repented, and God gave Job what he needed right on back. But then there was a third man. And oh, baby, y'all ain't ready to hear the word of God. You don't want to hear about this third man. We got to get fired up now, or we're going to get fired up later. You guys are going to get fired up about the word of God. I hope so. This third man, his name is Noah. And we're going to open our Bibles to the beginning. Turn to Genesis. Let's read about Noah. In Genesis, chapter 6, this is way, 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 way back in the day. You don't get much more back in the day than this right here. 
And right here, we're going to read why God needed Noah. In verse 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals, creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found <coughs> favor in the Lord's. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. And the church said, Amen. Noah was number one, obedient to the call. Noah, in his day, is recorded to be the only righteous man on the face of the earth. Wow. Number two, Noah had a personal walk with God. The Bible records that Noah, in his relationship with God, there wasn't a, co wasn't a coincidence that because of his relationship with God, he was also the righteous man. Because he walked with God, Noah was righteous. Number three, Noah preached righteousness. Because Noah, in his heart, had the righteousness of God, he had to give it to the people who were wicked. But what does that mean for us? I mean, for us, we got to be God's men, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Amen, women. We got to yeah. be God's women, too. Yeah. This ain't just for guys. Amen. When I mean men, I mean everybody. Yeah. And we got to be obedient as well. When God calls you to do something, how do you respond? When a Bible verse is read, is read, how do you take it in? What is God calling you to do today? <laughs> but we also got to walk with God ourselves. Yeah. We don't want to have churchianity. We got to have Christianity. Where we walk with God and we talk with God and we cherish our relationship with God. But we also need to stand up for righteousness. Yeah. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews 12, the Bible reads in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Oh, baby. <laughs> we can learn a lot from Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus was an incredible, was the example of standing up for righteousness. Right. For us, we could be in college and be timid yep. to speak out for the things that are going on on our campuses. And we gotta say no to ungodliness. 
what hinders you may not be inherently as bad as you may perceive it to be. But who you surround yourself with on a regular basis is exactly the kind of person you will become. Don't act like you're special. You're not. God calls us all. We're all made from dirt. Read, read the, you want me to go back to Genesis? Don't make me turn back. We're all made from dirt. We are all made of nothing. But God himself makes you something. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to stand for righteousness. We got to stop making God feel sorry and start making God feel proud. God is proud when we're not someone who stands in the crowd and follows everybody else. God is proud when we're not someone who's quiet in the midst of adversity. God is proud when you're somebody who speaks up, when you're somebody who walks with God. I think if you're struggling with being righteous, you just need to spend a day with Jesus. Yeah. You just got to go and spend a day with Jesus. He's going to change your life. I want to inspire you. If you never went to the woods or ever went to a hike, or heck, if you're like me and you're not a big nature person and you just sit in your car, go and spend a day with God. Go and just separate yourself from the people around you. And pray and read your Bible. And I guarantee that God will transform your heart that day. I've heard it said, don't fear failure. Fear being in the same place next year as you are today. Point number two, family is built on the boat. Let's go back to Genesis. Family is built on the boats. Now in Genesis chapter 7, God commands Noah. And he says in verse 1, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of animal that's clean, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. Wow. This is deep. Right here, God is giving Noah a message. And this is a very interesting part. Because I don't know if you've ever had this thought before. Imagine being in Noah's shoes. Not only are you the only righteous man, right? Uh, everybody you know is with you. And also, you're called to the responsibility of building this boat. It's called an ark because it's so big. And this boat is going to fit two of every single creature on the face of the earth in it. But not just that, you're also called to bring them inside somehow. <laughs> and then you're also called to bring enough food to feed them all. Damn. 
I mean, just saying that is overwhelming. <laughs> you thought finals week was hard. I mean, this, this is challenging. But check what God does because of Noah's obedience. Verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood gates, the floodwaters came on the earth. I mean, yeah, read that one again. <laughs> Times have changed significantly. And Noah and, on his, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, check this out, came to Noah and entered the ark. As God commanded Noah. This is incredible. What happens here is Noah just obeys God. And because Noah obeys God, as a result, God had a little, a little favor to give Noah. He said, hey, you spent a lot of time building the ark. I'm going to bring everybody to you. But what's the parallel? I mean, in a real way, for us, our responsibility is to build a life that makes God proud. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, we're all here in a sense just to please our creator, to make God proud. Dad knows best, right? Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, when we build our lives, when we build the church, a church that fits God's people, God brings the people in. All we need to do is build it. This takes the pressure away. It takes the pressure away from us to have to focus on people. No, 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 no. All you need to focus on is your repentance. Your change. Because when you focus on your change, then God can give you more. Our perspective's got to change. Our perspective goes from, okay, what, what, what do this person need to do? What does this person need to do? What does this person need to do? To, okay, what can I do now? Yeah, come on. How can I care more? Mm -hmm. How can I pray more? Right. How can I fast more? How can I read my Bible more? How can I share my faith more? How can I invite more people to church more? How can I help my family more? How can I have a bigger heart for the people? How I can grow in my love for God. You guys with me here? You see, when you grow in your heart for people, God's going to fill it up with more people. You can trust that God wants his family in the boat. Let's read verse 16. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. This is interesting. So Noah is on the boat, and, and he's, all the animals comes inside. And when they get inside, God just kind of closes the door. And they're locked inside. Now, imagine this. Please, your imagination? Yes. Still got it, right? Yep. All right, cool. Imagine being in the biggest boat ever made. All right, and you're in this boat, and it's you with at least two of every single animal, every single creature. I mean, uh, Jurassic Park. I mean, everything, Jumanji. Everything you can think of is going down on this boat, and you get locked in. 
All right? So you can, you can kind of break out, but if you do, you're probably going to drown because the water is so high, it covers every single mountain on the face of the earth. Imagine this boat floating over Mount Rainier. Now you're in this boat, and it's kind of scary now. And you go to bed, and you wake up the next day hoping it was a dream, and oh, baby, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> in reality, these guys stayed on this boat for 150 days. So that's like a whole bunch of nightmares. <laughs> and you got to ask yourself, as you're looking through the windows, you get to see the wrath of God on every creature and every person that didn't make it. What better parallel than the kingdom of God? We are in the presence of God in our lives on this boat. But heck, hey, we all live to be over 150 days. But we don't get 150 years. And on our lives, we have the obligation, just like Noah did, to bring as many into the boat as possible. And as we do, we have to face the facts that we have it so good. Grace really is the gratitude of what God saved you from. And for us, we need to really appreciate God's grace. But you ever thought, what in the world did they do on this boat? <laughs> I mean, every animal's there. What did they do? I'll tell you what they do. They built family. I agree. They definitely play cards. I'm sure they probably created the first ever Catan. Monopoly was probably made on that day. They came up with every single game you can think of to pass time. I think they was making every kind of animal a pet on that day. <laughs> they were just trying to build the family. And that's what God was forcing. He said, this new people that I have are going to be my family. It wasn't an option. You had to talk. I mean, you got 150 days with somebody in close proximity. Animals, I mean, it probably smelled terrible. I mean, at this point, you, you got to build family, amen? And for us, God has put us on this earth to build family, to build relationships with each other, to grow in depth with each other, to be real, to be vulnerable, be honest with each other. We ain't got nothing to hide. We're all in this together. Right. It's not worth hiding your sin. Hey, we can see the sin in your face. Yeah. We're in this together. We all face sin. We all face disgrace. Right. But we got to mark out the race that God has prepared us right. to live. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter point number three. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when you get off the boat? You fulfill God's purpose for you. Amen. These guys, eight and all, they get off the boat, and it's really unique how they do it. It's been, heck, a couple months, a long time, and he sends a, a raven out, and he sends a dove out just to kind of experiment to see, like, is there hope? Like, is this the land dry? I just want to shower. 
You know, and, and eventually they're able to come out of the boat. And in chapter 9, the Bible reads in verse 7, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this will be the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. Wow. See, God makes his purpose for Noah and his family known to them. What's incredible here is at this point, God establishes that the rainbow will be there in remembrance of the flood that wiped out all the people, but also saved these eight people. And every day when it rains and the sun comes out, God remembers this covenant that he made with Noah. In a similar way, God has made a covenant with us. God has a plan for our lives, and it's up to us to fulfill that purpose. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. You guys still with me here? In Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who presumably ever lived did so much in his life that most people would dream of doing that he did it all. And he did it all way more than you have enough time to do. And in his life, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. In verse 18, he says, then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toil, labor under the sun during the days of his life and his wealth and his possessions, that God enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is the gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of hearts. God truly has put us in this world to enjoy the world. God didn't make you to be miserable. I think that wouldn't even make sense. Who has a son that says, I'm going to raise him up to be a scrub? <laughs> he ain't gonna like nobody. Nobody gonna like you. That ain't God's heart. God said that everybody else was wicked. He was righteous when he made everybody. And with God, he gave you responsibilities. We call them talents. Things that you're just good at. And don't lie to yourself and say you ain't got no talent. Everybody's got talents. Everybody's good at something. Heck, you may just be good looking, but you're good at something. <laughs> Everybody's got some talent. And God expects that you use that talent 
for him. That's all he wants. Use it for him. Use it for me is what he's saying. And that means that whatever you're gifted at, you make it a strength. You don't settle for less. You go after making it the best. Not out of a pride to be better than other people, but out of a, a, a strong concern to be better than you could have been. Right. I used to think that one of my greatest fears would be to, to make it to Judgment Day and realize and look at the face of the Danny I could have been. Mm. <laughs> That's a real thought. If I would have worked harder, if I would have studied more, I would have prepared more. If I would have prayed more. If I would have listened to the advice I was getting more. If I would have just focused on my relationship with God all the more. What could I have done? How many more people would be here with me? Right. It's a real thought. And I hope nobody has to face that thought and judgment day. It's essential to the core that not only do we enjoy our life, but we also enjoy it by doing it right. I'm not saying you go out and just go party. That's the worst thing you could do. I, I was a college kid. I didn't go here. But I was a college kid before. And I, I lived in Boston as a college student. And while I was in Boston, I, I played college basketball. And as a college athlete, man, we had no time. It was like you wake up in the morning, you go to the gym, after the gym, you go to class, after class, you go to practice, after practice, you go to study hall, and you do the same thing again and again and again. So you're having 14, 15 hour days, and then when the off season comes around, you think you're gonna be good, and coach is like, no, you gotta get better, you need to get to the gym. And you still gotta go to the gym, you still gotta work out. I mean, it was like a full-time job with another full-time job called school and a student athlete. And it was very challenging for me, and throughout that first year, it was hard for me to, in a way, disagree with the friends around me. Because most of my friends, what were they doing? They were smoking. They were drinking. They had girls coming over to the dorm. Everybody knew who the team was, who was on the team, who the players were. And the, the temptations was every single day. And for me, it was very challenging because at that time, I claimed to be a Christian, but heck, I was not a Christian. I said something and did a totally different thing. I would say, hey, I ain't going. Oh, my God, I'm going to go. I, I had no willpower to stand up against the crowd that I was a part of. Come on, Danny. And I had to learn the hard way through growing the parties and drinking right. and finding out it's just not worth it. Right. It's not worth going to these clubs or these, these events and parties that all they're going to do is make you feel good and then you regret it later. I never found satisfaction in it. It was never worth it. And all it did was create this, this popularity battle where I just wanted to be cooler or I wanted to look better or I wanted to have the nicer clothes and I wanted to fit in. But God didn't want you to fit in. He made you to be you. Yeah, and then appreciate who you are. You ain't got to impress anybody else. Heck, you better impress God. And hopefully that impresses yourself. But you ain't living for me. Don't live for those kids in your classrooms. Don't live for your coworkers. 
Don't live your life asking like, God, why, why am I not getting the career that I want? Why am I not in the class that I want? Why am I not in the major I want? Why am I still single? <laughs> Don't ask God all these questions. Right. Rather look in the mirror and say, okay, what can I be doing better? Right. What could I be focusing on? What do I need to change? You guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. These are real things. And as a sophomore in college, I had taken a break from basketball because I wanted to go, and this is how bad my sin had gotten, I had wanted to transfer to UC Santa Barbara, which I knew was a party school. Yeah. But I knew that those guys recruited me and the coach knew me well. I knew I'd probably play well and that would give me more offers to go overseas and play basketball and all these different things. And I was literally at my lowest point. I grew up in the, in the bad cities of Chicago, in the bad neighborhood of Chicago. And in my time of growing up there, a lot of my relatives were drug addicts, gangs, murdered or murderers, and all the above. And a lot of them started with marijuana. Started with smoking it. Right. Started with selling it. Then it started the other drugs because it ain't high enough. Come on, Danny, talk about it. And then it went to more alcohol. Then it went to more girls. Da 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 da. And as time progressed, they became the gang members that I see as my uncles, mm. as they see as, as I see as my aunts. And for me, my, my one thing that I knew I would never do was smoke weed. But December of 2013, as a sophomore in college, I smoked weed twice in one week. Mm. And that second time, one of my friends had given me um, the, the weed, and when I took it, I got so mad at myself. I literally dropped it. I'm an athlete, don't laugh at me. <laughs> I went in the room, so mad, and I just grabbed NBA 2K, and I just played for like an hour. <laughs> Sit, don't laugh. <laughs> and I, I beat the computer by like 40 points. <laughs> That's how mad I was. <laughs> So I started calling family members. I started texting friends like, hey, like, what do you think about weed? Is it bad? Like, what do you think about this? And, and then most of them were like, hey, it's fine. I've smoked. Most people smoke. You're good. And I had to think, no, I'm not going to follow the crowd. I need to, I need to be different. I need to yeah. do what's right. Oh, and I called my sister, who was a Christian. And she was like, bro, you need to come to church. <laughs> so the next morning, I got up at 4 a.m. and got to ride to church. And I got to church that next morning, and for whatever reason, they put me to work. I was ushering. Putting <laughs> <laughs> chairs in line. People were walking up to me like, hey, what church is in? I don't know. I just got here. <laughs> yeah, like, Why are you ushering? Then? I just remember after church, um, Brian Carr pulls me aside. Pulls me aside because I went to church once in Boston and then I, I never went back. <laughs> I was like, you guys are weird. I don't want to come back. Uh, I stopped responding to the text. I was that guy. <laughs> Confession. Sorry, Brian. And. Uh, <laughs> After afterwards, he just pulled me aside. He just talked to me for like thirty minutes. He's like, "Man, how, how's your relationship with God? How's your purity? How's your Bible study? Have you been?"
been going after what we talked about, you know, and, da, 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 and I'm like, terrible, bad, you don't even know. <laughs> I haven't even thought about that before. No, I don't even know. Yeah, I have no idea what baptism is. Yeah, you're right. I need to take this sip. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just turn myself in, bro. <laughs> so I went back to Boston, stayed in the Bible for two weeks, and on February 2nd, I got baptized. <laughs> From that point on, I'm gonna fulfill God's promise for right. me. And I hope you're at that point today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Yeah. Don't wait for 2020. It's 2019 for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if you're here today, this is the message that God wanted you to hear today. Right. This isn't a feel-good sermon. This is a feel-God sermon. It's time to change and grow in our relationship with God. Let's close in Psalm chapter 84. In Psalm, some people are really emotional. And, uh, I didn't get that gift. But I'm growing in that area. Crying a lot more as you get older, you cry a lot more. And, uh, you know, and uh, the Psalms are very emotional. And, and it, for me, I need to read the Psalms because I, I need to feel more emotion. Because I, I could be a guy that's just like, I'm just a fighter. Put me in a hard situation, I'm gonna stay firm. I'm gonna fight through. Come on. And I need to really learn how to engage what's really going on in here. Uh, and the songs are amazing for that. And in Psalm 84, the Bible reads in verse 10 Better is one day in your courts mm -hmm. than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents. Of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O oh Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And the church said, Amen. The focus for us is to be men, to be women. Who choose to be God's man and God's woman. Yeah. To focus on building our relationship with God. Not by choosing to do wrong, but choosing to do what's right. As we go through our campuses, as we go through our lives and our jobs, I have one simple challenge. Come on, bro. Choose to do right. Study the Bible. Study the Word of God. Get into the Bible and really find out what God's purpose is for your life. You will transform into God's man and God's women when you choose to serve the Lord Almighty. I love you guys. Woo.